nothing we can do about the collective stupidity of government other than figure out how to exploit it. This is an economy of one. Your beacon guiding you through the turbulent waters of the political economy. The market no longer is the invisible hand of mutual gain, but the choking grip of political self-interest. Liberty is not given. It must be taken. Let's take it back together today. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of self-reliance. An economy of one with Gary Rathman, CEO of Private Wealth Consultants and your free market voice of the U.S. This is Greetings and welcome again to An Economy of One. I am your host, Gary Rothman, fresh off the uh, Republican National Convention held in my home state, just down the road, a couple hours in Cleveland. I didn't go. I I got asked to go. The uh, powers that be that control the show or uh, uh, sponsor my show asked me to go, and I didn't want to go, so I didn't go. I just didn't need that aggravation in my life, and quite honestly, I didn't see where it would really benefit me to go. would have been interesting just to experience it, but I didn't want to experience all the peripheral stuff that went around it. So I was happy to watch segments of it on TV and read articles about it rather than actually participate. But I do want to talk about, you know, some of the aspects of the Republican National Convention. I do want to talk about what I see as, I guess, a desired theme going forward, because this is a very unusual election. I've uh, voted in a lot of elections since I was 18. I made sure I voted every time I I was uh, eligible to vote. And I've never seen anything quite like this. It's just pretty unusual. You have two candidates that really couldn't be more different. I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking about ideology and, I guess, background on how they got to this point. Hillary Clinton is a career politician. She's been in politics her her whole adult life, really. And Donald Trump, who's not He's been in the private sector, worked in real estate, made a fortune uh, in real estate. And, you know, you have people that criticize him for his business dealings over the years, but those are people who have never been in business. And, you know, at that level, you play a political game and work with politicians, work with regulators, work with zoning officials, uh, city council, everything. So it's a little bit different. Now, don't take any of that as an endorsement, Donald Trump, because I'm not endorsing any candidate. But I I do find it interesting, some of the stuff. And, of course, the big topic, I guess, out of early in the convention was Mrs. Trump being accused of plagiarism, or at least her speechwriter being accused of plagiarism. My first thought was... So, I mean, if I was on the left and my opposition uh, used some of the ideas or quotes from a speech that I'd made at some time in the past, I would take that to the public as, see, my ideas are so good, they're copying my ideas. 
rather than accusing them of plagiarism, because that's going to bite them. We all know that Michelle Obama and her speech took those thoughts from a 1992 book. Every politician, every, every person who's ever given a speech has used other people's phrases and ideas and comments. Heck, I do it on the show every day. Every day that I do a radio show, I'm borrowing from somebody. I'm reading articles. I'm reading what other people wrote. Uh, I try to give attribution where I can. But something may pop into my head that I read years ago. And I don't remember where it came from. I may even think it's an original thought. Uh, It's just human nature that these pieces of information go into my head and they eventually will come to the surface and, and come out. And I don't always remember where or from what it came from. Now, did she purposely copy? I don't know. Melina's speech writer said that, uh, yes, it was ideas that her and Melina had talked about that came from Michelle Obama's speech. And she offered her resignation. Now, this is this is one of those things that is appealing about Donald Trump. And that's that he refused the resignation. Now, nah, people make mistakes. Let's move on. And that is absolutely not what the media wanted. They wanted somebody's head on a platter. They always want somebody's head on a platter. And quite honestly, I know that Donald Trump is the type of person that if you screw up intentionally or maliciously, he will put your head on a platter, as he should. I'm a business owner. I own several companies, and uh, I've had to fire people, and that's what you do. I'm not in business, uh, nor is any business owner in business, to provide full employment. Not there to provide people with jobs. I'm there to make a profit. I'm there to accomplish something and make money. And that's what I think that Trump brings to the table. I've had employees that have made horrendous mistakes, mistakes that cost me thousands of dollars. Uh, I remember one employee years ago, she come into my office with a a real hangdog look, and I said, what's the matter? And she said, I made a big, uh, big mistake. And uh, I said, did you correct it? And she goes, yes. I said, what did it cost me? And she told me, and it was several thousand dollars. And she said, I will pay you back. And I says, "Uh, yes, you will, but not with money. I said, did you learn anything from the experience? And she goes, yes. I said, will you ever do it again? She goes, no. And I said, then we'll call it tuition and move on. It was not a malicious mistake. It was an error. And uh, sometimes errors cost money. But I'm not going to fire people because of an honest mistake. Now, if she'd have made the same mistake again or a similar mistake, not being focused, uh, not taking care of the details, yeah, then we'd have had some issues and, and we might have helped her change careers. But... I think that Trump showed something very, very interesting by not throwing the speechwriter under the bus 
not throwing her to the wolves of the media so the media can can have what they want and then the next headline would have been see see even they admitted it was wrong they fired her for it trump didn't do that donald trump jr was a hit at the convention this week he may have a long future in politics he gave a speech that knocked your socks off and of course he was accused of plagiarism also but his speechwriter was quoting uh an article that the speechwriter himself wrote years ago and speechwriter didn't think anything of it didn't really realize it was a quote from his own article uh it was a thought that he had in in writing a speech that reflected Donald Trump Sr.'s views and reflected Donald Trump Jr. views. So we see where the left is going. We see that they're looking at every word and every piece of punctuation, and they're going to nitpick and try to make a, a mountain out of a molehill at any given time. So far, I haven't seen any uh, reports of violence this last week to speak of. So the Black Lives Matter, the uh, the uh, Never Trump group, none of that really received much of anything in uh, the way of traction and just as well as, as uh, far as I'm concerned. Coming up next, John Whitehead, one of my favorites, is going to be joining us. He's a constitutional attorney. He's the president of the Rutherford Institute and author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, and A Government of Wolves, The Emerging American Police State. So John Whitehead will be joining me next to talk about the Fourth Amendment. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Joining me now is John Whitehead. He's a constitutional attorney. He's the president of the Rutherford Institute and author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People and A Government of Wolves, the Emerging American Police State. John, welcome back to An Economy of One. Hey, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate you taking some time with us. I read your stuff all the time, and every once in a while I have to... Say to my producer, Katie, I said, oh, we got to talk to John again. This article is just one of those things. And the last one was talking about the uh, carceral state, we the prisoners, the demise of the Fourth Amendment. And it really struck me because just a week or so ago, I was quoting Justice Sotomayor's dissent also. And, of course, yours is a lot better and more in-depth. So I wanted to uh, give you a quick call. You know, it seems like every time we talk, Things aren't getting better. Are we taking one step ahead and two steps back when it comes to civil forfeiture and Fourth Amendment rights? Oh, well, I, what people have to understand, you know, all I do is research this, and I document it very well in my new book, Battlefield America. Uh, we live in a police state. And what I mean by that, it's a surveillance state. You're being watched by all the agencies and the government, working with major, all the major corporations from Google to Facebook, 
I mean, Amazon, the big corporation, built an intelligence cloud for all the intelligence agencies, spent $600 million of taxpayer money so that we could be watched. So if you're on Facebook, you're doing emails or whatever, and then with this particular decision here, Utah versus Strife, the Supreme Court has said that that you don't have to do anything wrong now. The police can pull you over like like in former regimes, and that Mm -hmm. used to be feared, by the way, when you were pulled over. And we will be... Pretty soon, in my opinion, if we if I can get out some of the information I have on all this stuff, is that uh, we've moved into a like a total police state, and you can be pulled over, charged, taken to jail, and in this case here says even if it's an illegal stop, the government can use the evidence against you. So, I have uh, friends who constitutional experts who told me 20 years ago that the Fourth Amendment was on life support. I would say it's dead now. The courts are not protecting us anymore, mm-hmm. and. As I say, we're in, we're we're in, we're we're on Poop Creek with with a very small paddle. We better start using it. So I mean, they're using threat assessments now on us. I mean, uh, if you own a weapon, you're automatically on a threat assessment, and then the police have apps on their phone. They they can go to that, and if they come to your door and they're agitated, there are over eighty thousand SWAT team raids. And believe it or not, I just discovered there's a new social disorder index from the Pentagon on American homes. If you don't pay you pay a ticket, whatever. That's something else the police can access. And these, these are uh, government agencies watching you, spying on you, without getting a warrant or, or without probable cause required by the Fourth Amendment, which, by the way, was given to us by the Founding Fathers to protect us from such instances. But we've thrown it away. It's no longer there, folks. You know, I, in, in reading uh, Justice Sotomayor's dissent, the thing that yes. caught me that I talked about on the show, and it was – it was apropos because of since the Orlando attack, the big push with Congress has been no fly, no buy, and if you're on a terrorist watch list, you can't buy a, a nope. weapon. But in her dissent, yep. in her dissent, she actually used the words that this stop, this this arrest for no cause, this search, the DNA testing, all that stuff goes on your record, and it can be there for anybody who wants to do a background check. Now she yes. she was referring to employers and that kind of stuff, my thought was that's a good way to disqualify me from buying a weapon is oh, yeah. have the, the police seek out my license plate and arrest me, and boom, I'm on the list. You're on the list. Well, see, virtually everybody's on some kind of list now, like I'm saying. Right. The police now have apps on their phones and their body cameras when they're walking by you now. They read your fa- their face for facial recognition. Uh, the Supreme Court's approved that if you're arrested for a parking ticket, they can now take your DNA and they can strip search you, which means they can, in some cases, they're doing anal cavity searches yeah, <laughs> without yeah. probable cause. Right. Uh, and one cop was uh, caught you doing it on several people without changing gloves. Uh, so there, we, we're in a society today that uh, the American citizenry has been sleeping through this. The technologies are moving at an amazing rate. And, I mean, when you have... Uh, the police doing a threat assessment from green to red on you and your catalog like you're some kind of cow in a pasture and watch because you may have a weapon or you may have an unpaid parking ticket and you're considered dangerous. And like I say, the SWAT team now, all the federal agencies, all uh, almost 50 federal agencies have combat SWAT teams now, Department mm-hmm. of Fisheries, IRS, Department of Education. So it, it, it begs the question, <laughs> what in the world are they preparing for? And they don't stop any of the terrorist attacks, by the way. Right. 
Right. You know, but your average terrorist attack takes less than two minutes, and they're not teaching us, by the way, how to avoid the terrorist attacks. And there are ways. I've talked to former uh, Secret Service agents who said, "Yeah, if you train the citizenry, they can get rid. You know, most of these things can be avoided." But they're not even telling us how to avoid them. It's fascinating because you talk about technology, and it was a story we covered a week or so ago on the show, and that's the state of Oklahoma is having these electronic card readers where they can seize uh, stuff from, uh, now they're saying prepaid cards. From your credit card. Yeah, but they have access to your credit card and everything. And Without without a trial. Without a trial, without an arrest, without a warrant. They're seizing your property without a trial. That's right. I mean, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, they've already already rolled over in their graves. (laughs) They they think we're crazy. I, I was just dumbfounded almost by the statement. I forget who it was in Oklahoma said that uh, prepaid cards are treated like currency. They can be seized like currency. Individuals do not have privacy rights with magnetic strip cards. Yep. What basis can an author- a person in authority say that? Courts are ruling that, basically, in, in most instances. Like I say, the last uh, bulwark in a free society is the courts. Are they going to protect mm-hmm. us from egregious government actions? The courts today... I mean, when you got the Supreme Court ruling that you can just take the Fourth Amendment and throw it away in this case we're talking about, yeah, the courts are not protecting us. And uh, honestly, and I talk to a lot of uh, older policemen who are freaked out by all this. They don't understand. They tell me, we don't understand what's happening with the younger police. It's how they're trained in the academies now, how they view us. And it's not only them. And when you've got uh, firefighters, 9-11 operators running around with SWAT teams now, mm-hmm. and people are getting shot. Uh, old guy standing in the end of the hallway uh, with a shoehorn thinking someone has invaded his home, a burglar, and they, the police see him. They think he has a weapon and they shoot him. By the way, they have qualified immunity. You can't charge them, the police, when they do those kind of things. Uh, I mean, listen, one and one equals two in most situations. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It yeah. does not look good, folks. And, you know, with uh, the upcoming, I think, and I'm going to be writing on this, with the upcoming uh, Democratic and Republican National Conventions, in Cleveland already for the Republican convention, the FBI is going door-to-door, so-called activists that protest, just mm-hmm. First Amendment activity, which is protected by the First Amendment. They're meeting with them now and watching them and telling them they're watching them. Now, what kind of government does that? More of my conversation with John Whitehead. Coming up next. Gary Rathbun, An Economy of One. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. I'm speaking with John W. Whitehead. He's a constitutional attorney and president of the Rutherford Institute and author of Battlefield America, the War on the American People. Didn't the court just rule, or maybe it was something else I I read, that free speech uh, is fine as long as it's not political-oriented or insightful-oriented, that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, you can't. Well, yeah, the courts have ruled that consistently. We had a we had a big case where uh, a guy protested on that 20,000-foot square Supreme Court uh, plaza, and he was protesting the fact that you can't be out there portraying a message. There's a law against it. We won the case. The judge ruled that 
such actions by the arresting a man because he's standing there silently on the Supreme Court plaza, 20,000 square feet, not blocking anything or whatever. Mm-hmm. They ruled it was repugnant to the Constitution. The next day, Justice Roberts of the Supreme Court issued his own ruling denying it. I mean, that was, we had to appeal to, <laughs> to Justice Roberts through the court system. We knew we weren't going to win at that point. But yeah. I don't think... Uh, there, there are some free, but as I see free speech developing on college campuses with, with these, uh, you know, political correctness now, with, yeah. with you can't say certain words, there's yeah. ten words you can't say here and there, and there words that people can say. One of them is guns, by the way. Yeah. That's yeah. a word you can't say. Well, I, I just read an article this morning. Yeah, I just read an article this morning that it's considered a microaggression or racist, yeah. I guess, to say, uh, make America great again. Yes. Uh, apparently that's racist. So. It's, it's racist. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, so what, what I'm what I'm seeing is is that uh, I'm telling people you better get active, especially locally, because the country is moving very very rapidly in a direction that, uh, as I detail in Battlefield America, uh, Nazi Germany. I'm uh, an extensive study was done on Nazi Germany on how people were arrested. Most of the time, eighty percent of the time, it was by neighbors reporting neighbors. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. We're moving in that direction. This microaggression thing, where students report students. Now the FBI has a program in high schools where students watch other students and report them to the school if they appear to be rebellious or whatever. You know, I wonder. So, ask- so what would happen to Thomas Jefferson today or Thomas Paine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would be eliminated from the system. You know, I wanted to ask you about that because all through your writings, there's a an acknowledgement, I guess, of the fact that we have been educated, brainwashed, conditioned to essentially just accept this stuff, just shrug it off because we're not drug dealers. So if they're seasoned drug dealer money, well, that's fine. If they're seasoned drug dealer assets, well, that's no big deal. I'm not a drug dealer. What, what, how long is this, I mean, does this go way back to the 60s, uh, public education or further, that we've been slowly indoctrinated into accepting this authority without question? Oh, yeah. I think uh, through the public education system, no doubt. As I talk to kids today, I mean, I have interns that study mm-hmm. with me in the summer and throughout the year, students. And uh, they've, met, they've not read any of the classic uh, literature that, that uh, was trying to warn us, 1984 by George Orwell, or any of the great books. They, have, they don't even know, they've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. And these are students who have gone to some of the finer schools, colleges. Uh, all that's been dropped now. Any kind of literature that says, hey, we ought to rebel, we ought to fight back, all that's being eliminated. Uh, the news media, by the way, I, when, I, when I talk to journalists and I say, do you realize there are over 80,000 SWAT team raids that occur in America today? Wow. 80% of those SWAT team raids are for mere warrant service where a policeman used to knock on your door to hand you the warrant. They're going through doors now, and they look at me and go, whoa. They're not reporting it on CNN. So mm-hmm. Americans don't know what's going on. If they realized this, a lot of people would be up in arms. And again, I just said a word you're not supposed to say, arms. Arms, that's right. Well, we're being listened to anyway, John. I hope you know that. (laughs) I know. That puts you on a threat assessment all right. I know. The FBI is moving into local police departments. They just moved into the Oakland Police Department about six, seven months ago with ten officers. You know what their job is in the police department? It's to watch all social media. Oh, my goodness. And catalog it to see who's a threat in the community. You know, it's... And they're watching. But again, let's go back. The Fourth Amendment says you can't do surveillance on me. I'm an American citizen unless you have some evidence of criminality, probable cause. Right. They're uh, bypassing that on a routine basis now. 
My guest is John W. Whitehead, author of the book Battlefield America, The War on the American People. You know, I wanted to ask you, we have a lot of listeners. We're national, syndicated. I get a lot of feedback from policemen. Uh, A lot of them are listeners. And just about everyone I've talked to, eh, I, I take that back, everyone I've talked to, seem to be good guys they're they're family yeah. guys they're america loving they they want to make this country better where are all these stories coming from are, are these people deceiving me am i not hearing something or is it a sector of the police that fall into this category oh there are a lot of good policemen i mean i work with them they, they work with me uh part of the issue you're seeing here is is that uh, over 80 percent of misconduct in police departments even your good policemen don't report it most mm-hmm. of the time, there there is a code blue, which, and I'll be honest with you, uh, and I've told police in this, uh, we sh- you should not have a code blue. You are one of me. You are par- you are a citizen. You're not apart from me. Remember George Washington, Franklin, and all all the the guy. Go back to the founding fathers. They warned us. They said you do not want a standing army on American soil. That's what we faced. Mm-hmm. We have a standing army today. I, I just as I told you earlier, all of our federal agencies now are armed to the teeth with drones. Uh, helicopters, grenade launchers, local police are armed the same way. We have a standing army now. And I you know, I have uh, former veterans who are early upset with what's going on. They say, well, we're going to get together and get our guns. And I tell them right away, I said, somebody, <laughs> you're going to get blown away. Yeah. Uh, there are ways to affect change, but an armed rebellion like in 1776, you would have to have millions. And today I just don't see that out there. So... Let's think of a better way to move the process forward. And, and the, you know, again, knowing what's going on is the first thing because uh, education precedes action. And most Americans I talk to, and you've indicated this, seem to look at clues and go, "Well, I don't know. What's, mm-hmm. You know, what? What? Gee, I guess this is happening." Well, and, and that that begs the question, and, and you've you've answered it in your book. Uh, you answer it in about every other column. What can we do? What can we do? You and I both feel that, you know, voting this November is is kind of a uh, a moot point. The national election is, you know, I won't say it's rigged, but it, it's certainly down a certain path. But what can you and I, what what can individuals do in their local community to try and combat this? Well, I will say this uh, again. I've uh, <laughs> I was Paul Jones' attorney. I sued the White House and the Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. I, I got a good look at the Clinton White House, and it wasn't pretty inside it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the, there was a Princeton study a couple years ago, Princeton University, and they looked at all the the laws, etc., passed in Washington D.C. over 20 years, and they came to the conclusion we live in an oligarchy run by a money elite that the American citizen has virtually no input. So, voting at the national level, you're not going to have a lot of uh, opportunity for change, but in the local communities, you can change things. Uh, uh, you, you either run for city council, your county councils, uh, county board of supervisors, whatever they're called, get on them, regularly attend meetings, uh, advocate change. You can do it. Um, and I, I would say we have an open window of five to ten years before I feel that the curtain could drop. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just looking at the facts. I mean, if the government wants to shut down things right now, they have the armament to do it. Uh, the drone thing, by the way, we haven't discussed that. There are over 40 bases in the United States now flying drones over the United States routinely, and the Department of Homeland Security has their own predator drone fleet to be used domestically. Uh, and those things are deadly. So uh, you can push back. The Constitution does allow us. Will, will a court listen to you a lot of times? No. 
But, the, you know, the, the early people who established this country, they didn't listen when they said no. They moved forward. Uh, so I think at the local level, I've seen people change. They've, re- they've actually put supervision over SWAT teams, saying you don't use a SWAT team for mere warrant service, emergency situations. And do you really need grenade launchers in a town with 5,000 people? <laughs> well, armored vehicles. And, and some cities have sent those back yeah. because they don't want a grenade launcher used against some kid right. or teenager. Uh, or some American home, and they shouldn't be used against American homes, no. You know, in in listening to the different candidates uh, run for president, the theme that often comes up is that the other candidate wants to take us back. They want to go back instead of moving forward. And my statement has always been, well, you don't want to go forward if the cliff is, is right in front of you. It seems like these laws, the courts, the Fourth Amendment, Second Amendment, First Amendment, uh, even the Fifth Amendment to, to, in some situations, seems like they're going back before the time of the Constitution. We're there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pre-1776 right now. As I said, people say, well, we're moving into a police state. I hear that all the time. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. folks, you're already there. When the NSA is downloading all our emails, mm-hmm. uh, the FBI is watching all your social media, I mean, you're there when they're doing all these SWAT team raids and, and threat assessments on homes, you're already there. We're in a worse state than any of the dystopian lit- literature that I've read predicted. They, they couldn't have foreseen the Internet with Google. Right, right. Uh, again, everything is downloaded and watched that you do. And if you hold a gun up on the Internet, we had the, we had the case a couple of years ago with a former Marine, Brandon Robb, who just did anti-Obama Facebook posts. He was arrested by the Department of Homeland Security, SWAT teams, FBI, and put in a mental institution. We had to file a lawsuit to get him out. Wow. He had a five-minute investigation in a jail cell with a psychiatrist who concluded that because Brandon had long pauses and he was smart, you don't answer right. <laughs> any government agent without a lawyer present. So he, right. was, he didn't want to answer. Uh, he was put in a mental hospital. And guess what? <clears throat> My research indicated that 1.5 million Americans disappear into institutions like that every year based on what they call civil commitment now. Really? 1.5 million at least each year. 20,000 alone in the state of Virginia where Brandon Robb was at. The yeah. state admits it's on their, their websites. People are put, being put in these institutions. A lot of them are just rebellious people like the people who wrote our Declaration of Independence and our Bill of Rights. Right, right. That's incredible. Incredible. I've been speaking with John W. Whitehead. He's a constitutional attorney and president of the Rutherford Institute, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People. I read the books, great book, put it on our website. You gotta get this, gotta be informed. John, once again, thanks so much for your time. I got about four more pages of questions, so I'm gonna have Katie give you a call again soon and All right, and sir. uh we'll uh continue the conversation. Keep up the fight. Thank you. I appreciate Thank it, you. John. Up next, we're going to talk about more control to prevent terrorism. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. You know, a few weeks ago, eh, it might have been three weeks ago now, there was a truck bombing in Baghdad, I believe, that killed a bunch of people. And a week or so ago, a a uh, 
nutcase terrorist drove through uh, Nice, France, uh, with a truck killing 84 people and and wounding, I think, 200 people, something like that. And the first thing I said when I heard the uh, Baghdad bombing was, oh, we, we, we need truck control. We need truck control. This is getting on it. If there weren't trucks, this wouldn't have happened. And then Nice happened. Then I really thought we needed truck control. Well, I'm not the only one. I was reading an article by Leo Levison. He's the CEO of Group Levison Public Relations. And I uh, wrote an article for American Thinker, and, and he, he stated exactly what I was stating. And that's that, uh, you know, we need truck control. Anybody, anybody can walk into a store and buy a truck. There's very few restrictions. Terrorists, the mentally ill, Republicans can buy trucks quite easily without uh, even a background check. We don't even have a background check on uh, buying trucks. You can go over the Internet. You can buy it off a stranger. Pay cash for it. Have it delivered. People even buy trucks with the intent, clearly the intent, of other people driving those trucks. Surely that's a, a straw truck purchase. There's international truck trafficking. Trucks cross the border into Mexico and back every day, the same way with Canada. You can even buy a truck in a foreign country and drive it across the border with very little restriction. Not to mention all the traffic issues that trucks cause. Trucks are are often left out in the driveway where children can access them. Or even worse, they might find the key and be able to turn the truck on themselves. There's schools in America operating right now that for a small fee will teach a person with a driver's license how to operate a truck. Can you say 9-11? Same thing happened in the airline industry. Now, we've got to do something. President Obama has to do something. Congress has to do something about the truck violence out there. We have an opportunity right now, because it's not in our own country yet, to legislate this problem. Now, Leo Levison in his article talks about some of the things we could do to help truck terrorism be eliminated from our lives. First thing he suggests is legislating so that only manual shifting trucks are sold to the public, along with taking automatic trucks off the market. Number two, limiting the size of the truck's gas tank so it can't drive as far. Number three, increasing the tax on gasoline to make it less affordable for truck drivers. And four, having a fingerprint key lock so the truck can only be operated by its owners. We think that truck control is vital to public safety. Well, right on, Leo. Leo Levison, CEO of Group Levison. Great article in American Thinker. Well, it wasn't too long before somebody else on the Burning Platform blog for a parody put down Obama's 11-point response to the French tragedy. Number one, nobody needs a truck this large. All trucks ought to be smaller. The Founding Fathers never envisioned large commercial trucks and did not intend for people to drive them. These assault trucks are clearly designed for killing large numbers of people quickly, and that is their only use. Four, we need a no-truck list immediately, one that does not require due process to get on or off. 
five. Nowhere in the Constitution does it mention the freedom to own these killing devices called trucks. Large commercial trucks should only be owned by the police, military, or politicians. Not normal citizens. You and I can use horse and wagons. Seven, we already have licensing, registration, titles, inspection, and multiple taxes on large commercial vehicles, and still they're used for mass killing. Enough is enough. We must ban them entirely. We need to follow Australia's example. We must have a massive government buyback of all trucks currently owned by American citizens, and then they must be destroyed. We must empower the police and military to go door-to-door to forcibly remove these assault trucks. Deadly force is reasonable when disarming people of these killing devices. Ten, if it will save the life of even a single child, we must rid our society of trucks. And the eleventh point, lastly, we must continue to resettle enormous numbers of Muslims throughout the United States primarily in rural white Christian areas. Doesn't seem too unreasonable, does it? I mean, the fact is, we're being absurd. Yojimbo from the burning platform that I read uh, is being facetious. But he's making a point. He's making a point, and you can apply all these bullet points to guns. We're seeing it every day, every day, more policemen are getting shot. More terrorists are in our own country. And we're letting more and more of them in. Raising the restrictions. We're bringing in tuberculosis, which we haven't had much of in this country in a long time. Bringing in measles, other diseases. We're just letting them cross the border. So we can be somewhat tongue-in-cheek about truck control, but it's no different. This week we saw a guy on a train in Germany attacking and killing people with an axe. With an axe. Are you going to ban axes? If you do, they'll have baseball bats. You ban bats, they'll have bricks. You ban bricks, they'll have rocks. People want to kill other people. These radical terrorists are nut jobs. And this is what they do. In our own country, we're seeing more and more policemen get ambushed, shot in the back, killed, wounded, all for a false narrative. It won't be long before somebody comes out, truly, and talks about truck control. It won't be long. Mark my words, it will happen. I want you to have a great day. Be an individual. Be self-reliant. Be an economy of one. I'm Gary Rathman. We'll see you next time. This is our country. The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. Listeners should consult their own financial advisors or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. Private Wealth Consultants is an SEC-registered investment advisor.